We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. So, so far this season, as you know, we've been looking at the least popular books in the Bible and focusing on the shortest books of the Bible because really they're twofold. The, the least common just so happen to be the shortest for the most part. And today is no different. We're going to keep on learning and we're going to keep on growing because of all the great things that the Lord has placed here in these books for us. We not only learn of God and his character, we also learn about ourselves and how we need to change our view of the world from, well, worldly to a biblical view. So, you know, with that said, you know, we've all known some bad leaders. Call them whatever you want. Manager, supervisor, director, politicians, a lieutenant. My point is, they're still in leadership positions. And quite often, it can leave you wondering, man, how did they get this job? Let alone keep it, you know? Those two-faced people where you take an issue to them and later on they deny it and try to paint you into that bad light, you know, or they say things, well, you're not seeing this right. And they try to, you know, change the direction of it uh, as opposed to addressing the issue, you know, or, or how about this one? You take an idea to someone and, you know, and they don't say much. They leave it like, eh, maybe it's, it's not a good fit, but in reality, they love it because it is a great idea. And later, they take your idea, they put it into action, and of course, what do they do? They claim it as their own. So, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, these, these are those lazy, those lazy people, those lazy leaders, the, the liars, the gaslighters, and on and on and on. You know, we, we could call out examples and tell stories about these things for days. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, um, unfortunately, we see these so-called leaders everywhere. We see them regularly. And the fact is, we have to deal with them. However, we need to remember that it's temporary. They're not going to be there forever. It might feel like it, but they won't be there. And the other thing that we need to keep in mind is that when these things happen... We need to turn the other cheek and continue to do what is right. Now, we could have started with 2 John, which talks about false teachers. However, we're not just talking about false teachers here. We're talking about leadership across the board, from the street to the business and beyond. Because there's leaders everywhere, right? But we will be talking about poor leaders in the church because it is something that we need to address as well and be aware of. It's important to know how we should act so that we can prepare ourselves properly so that when we see 
this poor leadership in our lives, we respond properly. We respond the way God wants us to. So that's what we're going to be looking at today in 3 John. It's poor leadership. Okay? So before we dive into it, let's just address it. 3 John is the shortest book in the Bible. And like many, it's a letter. It was written about 85 to 90 AD by John to someone called Gaius. Now, Gaius was a prominent Christian in one of the churches that John was familiar with. And at this time in the early church, the leaders would travel from town to town to help get the new congregations up and running and make sure everything was running smoothly and properly. Um, in addition, you know, to uh, other skills, you know, teaching, preaching, that sort of stuff, on and on. Um, you know, and, and because of this, you know, they, they depended on the hospitality of fellow believers. Because let's face it, if they had to pay for some place to stay regularly, I mean, who has that kind of money? Not many, especially not then. You know, and Gaius, he was one of these people who would welcome in these travelers and give them a place to stay and take care of them. So this letter really gives us a great look into the church at that time, and it really shines a light on this need in the church. And, you know, and, and it, something, something we still see today around the world. However, this letter is also a warning. It is a warning against a bad church leader who is becoming a dictator. So for those following in their Bible and those taking notes, we'll go to 3 John, and we're specifically going to be looking at verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So, there's a bit of formality right here at the very beginning. You know, um, it starts off with literally those two words, the elder. And the elder is a reference to the fact that John was one of the the, uh, the original 12 disciples. And, you know, so it spoke to his authority. He was a man of authority. And, and we know quite a, a bit about him. Um, and then it goes on to address Gaius as a, as a friend, uh, and, and very affectionately so. You know, we don't know much about him or why John loved him so dearly beyond this. Uh, maybe in his travels, you know, John stayed with him. We don't know. You know, and, and if he did, it, it would certainly explain as to why he was so favored. Um, you know, looking at uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 through 16, the Bible says, whatever town or village you enter, search for someone, uh, excuse me, search there for some worthy person and stay there, um, stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. 
If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. See, when, when people put these leaders up, it, it wasn't just letting them stay you know, in, in like a guest room or a spare bed. They were feeding them. They were helping them with whatever you know, really they needed during their stay. So it created a very special bond. So, you know, even if John didn't stay with him, hearing about, you know, what he was still doing still would have struck a very, you know, special place in his heart. Where have just, you know, really tugged at that cord, that heartstring. So, you know, John, he goes on to show, you know, just how much he cares for Gaius, you know, and, and it's not just his physical, but his spiritual well-being. You know, and, and that itself is, is actually very interesting. You know, much like today, there was a belief that taught that, you know, there, there was a separation of the spirit from the physical aspect of living in our world. You know, it's, it's, it's that teaching that, you know, if, if you stay focused on your spiritual health, then you'll neglect your physical health. Um, but if you focus on your body and the various, you know, indulgences, uh, you know, of life, you know, all those little things that you, you, you enjoy, then somehow you're going to be sacrificing your spiritual health, um, you know, and, and so on and so forth. I mean, that in itself, we could really talk about, um, you know, at quite some length, you know, how, however, you know, it's, it's important here to point out, God cares about us spiritually and physically. That's why discipline, or, you know, really, I should say, self-discipline is so important. You know, that we take care of ourselves in both aspects of our lives so that we can best serve others, you know, and best serve God. Uh, you know, after all, you know, who, who can we really serve if we're not taking care of ourselves, right? So, you know, moving along here, Third uh, John uh, verses 5 through 6, the, the Bible says, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters even though they are strangers to you, they have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. All right, so I'd like to call your attention really, you know, to, to verse five here, uh, and specifically to where it says, brothers and sisters. Now, depending on the translation that you're reading, it may say brethren, it may say teachers, um, you know, it, there, there could be emphasis, you know, some sort of emphasis, um, you know, where it says, and sisters, you know, so, something along those lines. Um, and this is important because the Greek word that is used here is uh, adelphoi, um, which refers to believers and believers meaning both men and women belonging you know to the church and to God's family you know Adelphos uh, is the tense that refers to brothers and Adelphe for sister 
so for those who like to say women are left out, you know, I'll remind you, you really need to learn for context, not for those words, just to nitpick. You know, and I'm going to leave it at that because there's still going to be someone out there who wants to nitpick on this. Um, now, again, uh, in the church's early days, traveling was very common among evangelists and teachers. Uh, there, there was a lot of ground to cover, and, and it was paramount that they ensured that the word was being taught properly. You know, that's, that's something we still battle today. Uh, you know, uh, for example, even today, many of us dedicate years and years uh, to school and improving our knowledge. Uh, you know, we, we dive right into study. Now, while that's not a requirement, you know, because we know God equips the called, we still have to battle because, you know, one, we need to know what we're talking about. Two, we have to battle because of those who go on, you know, like these sketchy online farms and, you know, who ordain people as whatever they want and, you know, make whatever make-believe order they want. You know, you could go on and you get, you know, ordained as a Jedi, uh, for example. It's a horrible example, but it's true. You know, and unfortunately, these guys, you know, or these people, I should say, are able to go out and legally marry others, um, open facilities, etc., etc., and they still get, you know, the protections. Um, I could go on for hours as to, you know, why um, many uh, of these people, the vast majority, make everyone else in the clergy look really bad, let make us look poorly, you know, and, and again, you know, many people, such as Gaius, provided a home on the road and food for while they were there. You know, it's true, it's true hospitality. You know, hospitality at its best. Uh, you know, that in itself is something that's become more and more of a, of a lost art in many churches, in many homes, you know, today. Uh, keep in mind, church isn't just a place where we go and listen to someone talk at us about biblical things. It's anywhere where two or more people come together to worship the Lord. You know, invite, inviting uh, you know inviting people over, for example, uh, to like type of say home church would do us all well. Uh, but more often than not, we don't think about these things anymore. And why not? Well, simply put, it, it's because of our society. It's what our culture has evolved into. You know, it, it's become one of you know, it's very self-centered. It's very individualistic. Uh, it, it's very much a us or a me versus them mentality that's been created in just about anything and everything. You know, it's it's created a society of very lonely people, very lonely people. And, and you know, I could tell you, um, when I worked at hospice, it it was extremely common to have a patient who wondered if anyone would even care if, uh, you know, when they died. That's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, you, you talk to anyone who's worked in hospice and they'll tell you the same, you know, and it's all the more reason that we should smile for people and, you know, tell those that we care about that we love them. And, and not only, you know, say it, but to do things that actually show that we really do care because people need to know that one, they're seen, two, they're heard, and three, that they matter. That they matter. So, you know, we're also told, send them on a way that honors God. Now, now, how do we do that? Do we do that by arguing? No. By yelling? 
How about cussing or pointing fingers? No, of course not. You know, if anything, if anything, that's going to escalate. It's just going to make it worse, right? Um, you know, that's why, why a lot of things just don't go the way that they should because people they, they get caught up. You know, um, now you know these these leaders that we're dealing with. You know, um, and not even just them, but other people in general. You think about arguments. They're, you know, you're still going to be made out to be the bad guy. You know, some people they're just gonna they're gonna pour on those crocodile tears. You know, and, and we know they're full of garbage, but you know, their their friends and all they're going to eat it up if they're there. You know, with the little sit down face to faces and all that kind of stuff. You know, but they're going to do everything they can to make themselves out to be the victim instead of owning up and taking responsibility. You know, instead of being a, a mature adult. You know, I, I've been there myself. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a job. I was ready to walk out the door because of it. We've all been there, you know, but ultimately it's still on us to send them off in a biblical way. Now, we do that regardless of the beating that we're going to ta- that we're going to take. And, you know, and, and we very well may take, you know, a pretty gnarly beating over it. Um, yes, we may appear to be tarnished briefly, you know, but most importantly to God, we are truly unscathed because we did what was right. Now that may mean we need to bite our tongues. And for some of us, that's a lot harder than others, right? We, all, we You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, and more often than not, we really should be doing exactly that because we let our feelings take over, and that leads us into sin. And we're no better off than, than they are at that point. Okay, so let's continue on in Third John verses 7 through 8. And the Bible says, It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Okay, now I'll refer you back to the reading that we did from Matthew just a little bit ago. Also, I'd like to call out um, Acts chapter 20, verse 33, in which the Bible says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. And then it continues on in verse 35 to say, And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of work, we must Help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you see, the missionaries, they would go out and they wouldn't ask for anything and they would not accept anything from non-believers. And it wasn't meant as an insult and it wasn't meant to exclude them or push them out or banish them, you know, or label to label them as unworthy of God's word or God's love or anything else. Like, oh, you're not, you're not Christian. Get away from me. You know, um, it, it, instead, it was an action that was meant to show how things should be and took away motive. And, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go into this a little bit more depth here. Okay. Um, you know, the, and by motive, what we're talking about is that whole question of why are they really here what do they really want? You know, uh, like that person you haven't heard from in months or even years and they come around knocking and you know 
the only time that they do this is when they want something. You know, so so they wouldn't ask and they wouldn't accept anything from them um, because of that. You know, uh, they would stay only with believers so that when they did go out to reach people in the world with the gospel, it took away all those doubts that the unbelievers had. Okay? So, you know, that's that's why it's important that believers really, you know, support the church in any way that they can. So that when people do go out, you know, the, there's no doubt as to why they're really there. You know, um, so when those who are working in the field can do so without creating that question of motive, like what, what are they really after? You know, God's preachers, I'll remind you, you know, the, the really good preachers that you're going to find, you know, those pastors and, and so on, they don't do it for the money. They do it because God has placed a calling on their heart and they're answering that call, not for the money. So that's why you should question when, you know, you go to, you know, you know how much I hate this, but you know, when you go to a church, when you go to a place of worship is really what we're saying here, you know, or when you hear a, you know, that pastor that's always up there and always talking about why you need to give so much money and on a regular basis and, you know, m- money is a very focal point for them all the time. Um, you know, the, the church, yes, you know, the church has a responsibility to do what they can to take care of Christian workers and take away the doubts of non-believers. However, it is it does not need to always be monetary. I should say it doesn't even need to be monetary because let's face it, for some people that is a hardship. You know, um, time, using your talents uh, to support them. You know, uh, sharing their messages with friends and families and so on and so forth. There's so many things. There is a lot that could be done to accomplish this, you know, and and at the same time, uh, I I do want to remind you, don't ignore a Christian worker's fundraising attempts either. Instead, pray on it and and see what God places in your heart. You know, their their pleas very well may be legitimate and, and it may be an invitation from God for you to become a partner in their venture, all right? Well, whatever kindness that you can extend, that may be the answer that they've been waiting for and that they needed with their prayer, all right? It's also why it's important that we give generously and with a kind and happy heart, right? Uh, I've talked about this before. So, you know, when you help someone in, you know, answering the Great Commission, and, and that is what your giving is. You're essentially, you are a partner in their mission. And, and we'll go more into this when we, when we go through Second John. But this is, you know, this is what we're talking about when it says not everyone should go into the mission field when, when, we're, when we're looking at Second John. Um, you know, those who are at home are just important. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, think about the military. 
How far do you think the troops would would get without someone being back there at home to help out with, uh, with the various needs? You know, building vehicles, uh, those pieces uh, that are needed for shelters and clothing, uh, advancing technology, you know, food, ammo, weapons, and so on and so forth. All the various things uh, that that are needed to accomplish their mission, you know, or missions leading up to that ultimate goal. You know, for that matter, you know, you know, ask any active duty service member or veteran and we'll tell you, we do not go on missions, let alone in country, without having supplies needed and the continuing um, supplies and support needed to accomplish the various missions we're going. Now, you know, we might be going on with the bare essentials, the very, you know, those, those basic tools. Um, but in general, without knowing that things are in place and that more is coming, it's not going to happen. No one's going to be moving. They're not going to be, you know, leaving that t- that flight line, let alone going out to it anytime soon. You know, and, and I can tell you, uh, Christian mission fields are no different. Everyone needs support at some point. Um, prayer, money, hospitality, time, love. You know, all these things go a long way to helping them accomplish the mission. All right. Um, I feel like I maybe I'm kind of harping on this point a little a little long here, but you know, definitely, uh, you know, it's because it, it weighs on me. Um, continuing on though, Third John uh, verses nine through ten, uh, the Bible says, "I wrote to the church about Diotrephes, uh, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing." spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. You know, first off, the letter that John is talk, um, was talking about here, it wasn't first or second John. It was a different letter entirely, uh, you know, and as far as we know, it no longer exists. You know, so... You know, I can't really speak to it beyond that. Nobody can, um, you know, for that matter. Now, Diotrephes, uh, you know, he sounds like a real winner, doesn't he? You know, a real stand-up kind of guy. Does it remind you of anyone you've worked with in the past or are currently working with? You know, that, that that type of person you just love to go home and tell the family about? Yeah, you know, we we all know this type. We We all do. So let's take a look at what John tells us about him. Well, first and foremost, he is a control freak. He is an absolute control freak. He wants total control, you know, of uh, uh, of uh, his place of worship, you know, of, of, of the church, um, you know, everyone that's there. And John goes out to point out that he refuses to have anything to do with the other spiritual leaders. Uh, he actually goes so far, uh, you know, as to slander them. He also refuses to welcome anyone who speaks the truth um, you know or to be welcoming especially when they're calling him out when they when they're questioning his leadership and what he's doing what he's saying you know he he finds it offensive hello woke movement you know he he finds it so offensive uh, that he he kicks them out of the church he cancels them sound familiar cancel culture anyone you know he's a very prideful man. And where there's pride, there's usually some sort of 
jealousy and fear as well. You know, let, let me tell you, um, when a leader, heck, even in the church, because we're talking about someone in the church here, you know, when a pastor encourages sin in some way and discourages godly acts, they need to be stopped. They need to be taken out of that pulpit and they need to be corrected. You know, I've, I've said it time and time again, uh, and I'll say it again. You know, you can cause just as much harm through your inaction as you can by your action. And when nobody speaks up, they're allowing the sin to it to continue. And, and you know what happens? It continues to grow. It, when sin enters the church, we don't just need to confront it. We have an obligation to confront it and to stop it. All right? When when a you know, when a true leader, a true Christian leader is there, they are a servant. A true leader and a true Christian leader is a servant first and foremost. Something our politicians forgot about a long time ago. I'm pretty sure all of us would agree on that. You know, like I said, you know, it, it's not just churches, it's in businesses as well. You know, we, we all still have to deal with these types of leaders. And, and, and let me tell you something. When, when you've identified a poor leader and they're given control, especially when they pretty much have free reign, it's because that fire has spread and it's infiltrated um, your board uh, as well, your elders, you know, your, your other supervisors and your other levels of management, you know, that, that quote-unquote church or business, it's, on, it's in critical care. And it has a very, very grim outlook. You know, like I said, it's the same for business. Uh, look at banks. Uh, it wasn't that long ago we just saw Silicon Valley Bank go belly up and close its doors. You know, and, and countless other businesses have done the same or are headed that way. Uh, even in healthcare, we see one one healthcare system buying out another regularly. And, and you know, yet when this happens, we wonder where the the, the care part of healthcare has gone. Um, you know, these weak leaders are absolutely no better than the Pharisee in Luke 18. Um, you know, and that, that Pharisee, you know, he if you recall, um, he thought he was better, better than uh, the lowly tax collector because of his status, his status and his, his position. You know, uh, he was very prideful. You know, it's pride. Pride is a sin. Sin kills. So if that person can't be taught, can't be corrected, and humbled, then they have no business continuing to be in a position of leadership. They need to be removed. And, and it doesn't matter where it is. You know, as I, as I said at the very beginning, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it could be from the street to the pulpit to the highest office in the land. If it's beneath you to serve, then you don't know how to lead. It's that simple. Um, let's take a look at the rest of our reading today. So um, let's pick back up in Third John verses 11 through 15. And depending on the translation that you have, it may be it might be verses 11 through 14. Um, you know, some, some some translations have a way of kind of breaking that or combining it. Uh, it's 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 interesting to see. Um, however, uh, I digress. Uh, the Bible says, "Dear friend." 
Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. So, in contrast, you know, in contrast to, to Diotrephes, uh, Demetrius appears to be a good servant leader. You know, and, and John is essentially singing his praise here, uh, even when speaking about the truth. You know, and, and what John is saying here is that if, if the truth could speak as plainly as you and I can, um, you know, then it would speak well of him as well. Uh, you know, if it had that voice to do so. So we know that Gaius would certainly be looking forward to his visit, not only with an open door, but with open arms. You know, it'd be an exciting thing for him. And, and John encourages, uh, you know, he encourages us to, to be hospitable with others. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, uh, being hospitable, it, it, you know, the point that John's making out here, it is a sign of strength and love it shows support and that itself um, is very empowering you know um, sharing what you have your resources helping you know to put people at ease so that they only need to focus on the the work that they, that they need to take out um, you know it, it, it takes a tremendous amount of stress off of them you know, encouragement, gifts, a bed to sleep in, prayer. You know, these are all some of the great ways to support people. Um, you know, you think about it. You know, we go someplace and somebody opens the door and they're very inviting, uh, you know, and happy and, and everything. Uh, it's, it's very encouraging. It lifts our spirits as well, doesn't it? Um, as opposed to you go to those places, yeah, come on in. But you get, you know, you go to those other places, like, yeah, come on in, make yourself at home. There's a couch over there. There's, you know, can I get you something to drink? You know, there's some snacks, whatever. You know, it, it, it changes the environment. So you feel very welcome. And, you know, it's very, it's very nice. We all enjoy that type of thing. You know, so, so don't get caught up and, you know, and don't follow the bad examples that are set by, you know, bad leaders. Don't get pulled into, you know, arguments. You know, if they want to put on a show, you know, like, you know, like a sit down together between you and the party that's, you know, committing the sin, you know, and making excuses or pointing fingers, you know, let them. Just let them. Don't let that anger out through your mouth. You know, you now, I'm not saying don't be angry. You can be angry and not sin. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. And in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, the Bible says, let me a second here, turn over to it. 
And okay, here we go. So, sorry, I'm looking at my notes and I'm flipping over here. So James chapter one, uh, 19 through 20, uh, the Bible says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce righteousness, excuse me, does not produce the righteousness of God. We all need to learn when to keep silent instead of letting our pride take control of our mouths. And I'll say that again. We all need to learn when to keep silent instead of letting our pride take control of our mouths. You know, all that all the crocodile tears and the lies that you know, these things are all gonna eventually catch up to them. We need to act in love. We need to do the right thing for the right reason, even when we don't want to. You know, that, that could be easier said than done. However, that's what Jesus wants from us. And if we keep our eyes on him and we ask him for help, he will guide our steps. We're, we're not alone. And remember, these people that are in these positions, they're doing all this stuff because they're caught up in their own sin. And, 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 and you know, and it's like a flame. It's consuming them. It's an addiction. And, and yes, think about it. You can, you can be addicted to sin, you know, and, but there's a cure for it. There is a cure for it. And the cure is the word. It's on them if they want to accept it. So share the word, pray for them, and then leave it to them to accept it and start healing with Jesus. That's what we call planting the seed. And that's how you send them on their way in a way that honors God. We'll catch you next time. God bless. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at bethelightsanctuary.org or on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. We'll catch you next time. God bless.